You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Steve Idlett. So Steve, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. What's up, man? Um, I'm from Texas. I'm a musician. Uh, I also host a podcast, and I work in the oil field right now. You work in the oil field? Yeah, in the daytime, I do. How often are you coming home covered in oil? <laughs> no, nah, not, not too often. Is it like, I mean, would you say it's a tasking job kind of? Because at least what I know from oil fields or anything of that sort, it's more like those movies where someone's drilling and next thing you know, a bunch of black oil comes, I struck all. Ah, it's not, I'm on the, I'm on a different side of it now, basically. And it's mainly just driving around in a truck, checking on some gas wells and kind of working on them. It's not anything like that anymore. But so yeah, you, back in the day it used to be for sure. And it still, it still is with the drilling rigs and stuff. So you think that a lot of it is kind of, it's kind of still kind of run by people in a way but it's more taken over by machines no i mean like they're they're functioning we have to we have to go out there and mess with them non-stop you know but it's just not as uh it's not as drastic as you would think or whatever you know on tv or whatever yeah you see a lot of them like uh like oil rigs out in the ocean there's like a bunch of people out there you expect them they're the ones digging in the ground with shovels or something of some sort yeah so how did you go from doing an oil at least career to going into the music industry. Yeah, man, I've been playing music for about five and a half years now. And um, that's about that's about how long I've been playing. I've been working the old field a little bit longer than that. Um, but yeah, I just kind of started picking up music. I've always been playing music for my whole life. But like I said, I didn't actually start playing live music till about five years ago and just kind of got a band together and just started kind of traveling around Texas and playing music all over, you know. Let me guess, you play country music? Uh, it's kind of like Americana, country, blues, rock kind of stuff. What types of, now do you pl play like covers or do you play your own original songs? No, we play all our own songs, yeah. So what types of songs do you play? They're like, uh, like I said, they're, they're like a country, blues, rock kind of music, you know? Um, yeah, but are you talking about drinking a beer, you know, America, land of the free, or are you talking about like some, usually another type of genre like country or any type of really rock songs about over a tragedy of losing a girl or something i'm sure there's a little bit of that um we're at we've actually we got a we got an album on spotify um and it's under the it's, uh the briars is the band and um you can look it up it's at the briars music and um you know just determine for yourself i guess but we're working on album number two right now and just kind of doing some pre-production stuff on that right now do you find that you have a, I guess, a more of a fondness towards the music industry, I guess, than you would like, is that something you want to do for the rest of your life? Like if you could make a sustained living off of it? Oh yeah. I mean, I'll be doing it in some form or fashion for the rest of my life. Um, it'd be nice to make a living off of it, but either way I'm, I'm in it at this point. I don't think anybody really understands like how awesome and relaxing it is just to be able to sit by a bonfire and listen to a nice song just on like a radio or something. You play music or not? Uh, my whole family does. Actually, I come from like a family just filled with nothing but musicians. Everybody's in one or two bands. And, you know, my dad was in a Kiss tribute band. I don't know if you know who Kiss is. Okay. But, uh, yeah, so he dressed up like Peter Chris, the cat. And that's what I picture my dad as. Like, I know that guy. I don't, I, you know what I mean? A lot of people see him as like, because both my parents were DJs. So it was really weird. I didn't follow the kind of the background of everybody got hooked onto music. I found I had a, a niche somewhere else, I guess you would say. I gotcha. How long have you been doing the podcast thing? Uh, about a year. Um, it's, you know, it's just something I started doing, trying to get conversations with people because some people are interested in some really cool stuff. Like you probably have something you're really interested in that a lot of people don't know too much about. Yeah. I mean, maybe so, man. Um, a lot of music, <laughs> a lot of music and background video stuff right now is mainly what I'm focused on, you know. Now, when you when when your music, what types of genres do you focus on? What types of things do you listen to? I know you say you play country, rock, kind of bluesish, but what what do you find fascinating about it? Because like for me, I was always surrounded by rock. I was surrounded by all these like hardcore rock bands, like you know Metallica and all these that I kind of grew up on ACDC, and then I started looking a little bit more into the blues as I kind of hit my teens, usually around your teen years, you start experiencing a lot of anxieties and types of things. 
and you felt like you could hear it in the songs of blues. Like it was, it was resonating in me. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense to you, but like usually in a blues song, somebody's complaining and they always say to write blues, you have to go, have gone through some shit. And that's true in a way, but sometimes it doesn't have an age restriction because sometimes a child can go through something like a lot of shit. And next thing you know, he's creating blues songs. You ever seen the movie Dewey Cox? Oh yeah, for sure. That movie, when that little kid grabs the guitar, goes, "You don't know nothing about the blues," and the kid just starts playing like an old ass man. I'm like, yeah, that is the perfect representation for that. Well, no, I mean, I listened to I listened to all that other stuff too, Metallica and ACDC and Aerosmith and all that kind of stuff too. Um, but we also had just a bunch of Texas music and like you know Willie Nelson and and Hank Williams Jr. and um, just those type guys playing in the background and always had like nineties country playing somewhere around where we lived, you know, it's just real rural Texas where we live. So how often do you get stereo, like get stereotyped as when you say you're from Texas, some a person immediately imagines a cowboy hat on top of your head. I mean, I wear a cowboy hat. So. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Not, it doesn't have, they don't just, no stretch of the imagination so because i have a buddy that does a podcast on like ghosts and stuff and he's from texas and he wears like a, a snapback has tattoos and yeah. does all these things i'm like you're the complete opposite of what i would picture when they say texas as soon as they say texas i think cowboy <laughs> i mean well yeah i mean i wear snapbacks and have tattoos also but also have a cowboy hat <laughs> so i mean but... which one do you wear most of the time though uh to shows and stuff usually the hat usually the cowboy hat but like when you're everyday life, you're going to the grocery store, you're not wearing a 10 gallon hat, are you? No, oh, I usually just throw on like a snapback, just run down there to the quick to the grocery store or something. So, where do you where do you see yourself kind of going in a way? At least what you're interested in? Like, do you have any hobbies you're trying to take down the road? Uh, Besides music, like, is there, is it that just your main priority focus? That's that's pretty much it. But it but it's branching me into a bunch of other hobbies. Like I got all this recording gear down. It's kind of getting me down this podcasting lane a little bit. And then also I'm like, well, we need video for the band. So I started like, you know, getting into video work and some camera stuff. So it's kind of like they're all kind of lumped in the same basket, I guess. But yeah, you found that like all these separate things you thought you were just learning and they weren't going to affect each other. Then it turns out they all go one in the same. I have to have a bunch of it to to figure out how to get, you know, like they're all like they need each other almost like to, for the music part anyways. Like I need all this recording gear so I can do that cheaply, you know, and then we need the video work so it's I can pay some somebody else thousands of dollars to do that or I can figure out how to do it myself. So, Plus, you can make your own music for your own podcast, too. Yeah, for sure. Have you done that yet? Make your own intro? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And that was it country style. And it's pretty cheesy. Yeah, it's just maybe uh, it's pretty pretty cheesy. It's layered over a bunch of uh, just a bunch of I don't know audio files of like a horse winning and stuff. You know, <laughs> no way. Okay, so what types of things do you focus? Let's let's look at your podcast. So, what's the name of your podcast? Uh, Made in Texas. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, what types of things do you focus on in this podcast? Okay, so it's pretty new. Um. I don't, it's, it's not too old, but it's like we have 12 episodes of it up and we were doing it weekly, dropping an episode every week. And at first it was just me and a buddy of mine. And where, where are you from? I'm from Ocean City, Maryland. So I'm East Coast. Okay. I got you. So you would love this guy. Like, do I sound like I have a redneck accent to you by any chance? A little bit. Yeah. Okay. I have nothing at all. Wait till you listen to this guy. If you ever click on one of these episodes, he's like the epitome of redneck, right? And um, he's a buddy of mine, and we started this podcast, and it's basically just me and him shit-talking each other, you know. Um, but And then, anyways, now he's no longer able to do it, so now it's starting to turn into more of an interview podcast with with other musicians. So it's just kind of – it's going to fluctuate a little bit, I guess, you know. Do you find that you like hearing the different kind of ideas people have on the concept of music? Because, like, I've talked to – you know, I've met famous bands. I've met, uh, like – you know, let's see, met mostly the reggae band. So I guess if you don't know too lot about reggae, but I met the band Pepper. I've met Slightly Stupid. I've met like people that were influenced by like heavy reggae, punk, ska type people. And they have the concept, like obviously it takes drugs to kind of get them to get their little music in a way. But 
everyone's got their own little like creation. I tell people like when you're looking at an artist on stage, no matter what they're playing, when a band comes together and creates something that makes you vibe, like if you've ever seen Red Hot Chili Peppers play live, or if you've seen them play, like have a DVD of one of their live performances, you can see how they work off of each other. Like a lot of people don't realize that like if a band, if two members of the group don't get along, then you're going to see that tension. You're going to see that disconnect. How often do you experience like at least crucial moments with your band where you have to make sure you guys are all on the same page? Um, you, you know, like at some point, at some point you just are, you know, like at some point you're building that up, trying to get on the same page and all the time trying to work and get together. But at some point after you play with these guys long enough, or actually as you just become, you know, as you play long enough, like I can sit down with pretty much anybody right now and lock into, you know, with what, whatever they're going to do. Or I've got, you know, a dozen friends. We do these song swaps together where we'll go out in front of like, you know, on a stage somewhere and I'll play my song and he'll kind of back me up and then vice versa. So you kind of get to a point, at least in this point in our career where we can kind of like, you know, easily hop in and, and, and jam with each other and that it helps a lot to to be able to do that you know <laughs> it, it it sucks to, to to get in with somebody who who doesn't have the same thing going on and you're just button heads kind of up there so well it's really hard to get the concept of like i was in a band and then uh it kind of faded off a little bit just because it seems like everybody has their own idea of what they want to get out of the band when it comes to the fact like someone wants fame, someone wants money, someone wants women, someone wants, you know, somebody wants something completely different. And the true bands that actually last are the ones that stay connected on a level where when fame does get to their point, they don't ever lose the concept of, hey, we might need to sit down in the old basement like we used to and just crank out a few songs. Like we need to do what we used to do with the garage door open. And so piss off the neighbors or whoever wants to come pull a lawn chair out and just sit and enjoy. Those are the bands that really truly go in at least my mind the longest way because they don't lose the aspect of why they started it in the first place. I mean, there's, there's definitely some of that. Um, uh, it, you know, you got to keep enjoying what you're doing. If that's what you're saying, you know, those kind of guys who don't really enjoy it anymore, wouldn't actually sit down and, and, you know, try to even work on something like that. If that's what you're saying, then I can definitely agree with you there. Yeah. How often, like when you're on stage, do you really get truly nervous? Uh, I haven't, I haven't been in a long time to be honest. Um, I used to like, I, every, you always, people always act like they're not nervous up there. And so you think, Oh, if I'm nervous, that's a weird thing. But, but really I think everybody's nervous for a while. And it took me like six months of being on stage, you know, to, to get to where I was comfortable up there. Now, now it feels, I feel, that's, I feel really comfortable up there. I can sit down and joke on a microphone and play my guitar and everything's good to go, you know? See, where I stopped playing music was the idea, like, as soon as I got up on stage, I was immediately like, I'm going to fuck up, someone's going to hear me fuck up, and then I'm going to be made fun of, and then, like, my mind just started going off, and, like, my brother is pretty musically gifted, he's actually in a popular band in our area, and uh, he, you know, he kept, he keeps with it, and he sticks with it, but, like, seeing him on stage, it's really, really natural, seeing, like, my other family members get on stage is very natural, when I try and get on stage, it's like, uh, like, oh, if I stand up in front of all these people and then I mess up and then they all make fun of me, I'm going to be even more of a loser. Right. And it's, it's hard to get that out of your head. Cause like when you have to play music, it's really, really hard, at least for me to be able to focus on what's going on and just being in tune to the music in front of me. Cause I find myself like peering off into the crowd a little bit and like me just kind of learning the songs, like I'll learn a song and then a week later we'll, it'll, it'll, we'll, we play it live. So it was just a lot, a lot of practice to get it. So I ended up diving into the piano from bass guitar and then like a little bit of drums. And then I found it like I, well, I'm sitting there trying to look and make sure I'm hitting the right notes. And then if I'm peering off into the crowd to look at their reaction and if I'm playing good, then I immediately forget like what note I'm about to hit next. And next thing you know, I mess up the whole vibe of the whole entire show. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely know some people like that. <laughs> Um, it, it takes a while to get comfortable up there. You know, I'd say that you're probably your, your brother and whoever else, you know, that plays up there, they probably weren't always as comfortable as they are now either. 
Yeah. Well, for him, it became like he started off in high school, like going up on stage for talent shows and stuff and getting up by himself and playing alone. Like the fear of that, in my mind, is like the worst thing in the world. I would never be able to do that. Just on the concept of a lot of people, especially in the world today, are filled with they're they're hypocrites, man. They're the biggest critics ever. They literally like they judge you on everything, anything. You can do a whole song perfectly and then bitch about one little spot where you messed up. I heard one dude play the Star Spangled Banner at our school with nothing but like a wah-wah pedal and like just an electric guitar. It sounded like the beginning of Zombieland where it's like, bow, 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 and it's like, it sounded so awesome. But then he messed up one little note and everybody just shit on him. I was like, that's terrible that they would do that to him. That's horrible. Um, but my very first time that I ever played, you know, live music was doing that shit, playing the Star Spangled Banner in front of this rodeo on this woman rode around in this, in this pin on a horse with a flag. Right. And uh, good old. I like how you say right. Like it's a normal day thing. <laughs> like maybe in Texas. I mean, I'm just catching you up with where we're at here. And <laughs> anyways, and, and then sure enough, you know, halfway through just and man like no one gave me shit about it but the amount of um weakness that i immediately felt in my knees and started just like trembling and just like oh it was so hard to get through those next like 80 notes or whatever that were in there and it's crazy because if you show any type of like weakness or you show any disconnect from the like what you're doing the the crowd can feel that and it's like they, they, you know, I, I, I like an audience aspect, but an audience aspect is so weird because if you mess up on something, you get immediately a bunch of judgment, even though five minutes ago they were loving you. The easiest way I can kind of rationalize that is like when I play Guitar Hero or Rock Band and I miss like three notes and then the, immediately you see the rating go down and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why does it take so hard to get up there? But then immediately when I mess up, it goes immediately down faster. No, that's a hundred percent. Oh, you can play a song. That's what I always tell my guys. Like we can, we can murder this song, but if the last note is shit, if it's like, like everybody just feels like, fuck that song. (laughs) You You ruined my night, bro. And there's, um, you know, we've played in front of, we're not a big band at all. Like we've, we played in front of, six people and we've played in front of 600 people but that's about as much as it has been you know so there's been times where there's nobody there and if you suck in front of nobody that's just that that might be as worse as sucking in front of 150 200 300 people you know so get your shit together if you're out there listening to this and you're a live musician get your shit together like so my parents work at radio stations so we played on the radio did like a live uh, it's called live licks at six and I have this weirdest thing where if I sneeze, I have to curse while I sneeze. So it's like if I'm sneezing, I'm like, shit. And like I'll say it like as with the sneeze comes out. And I felt it happening when I was playing on the radio. And I was like, it's going to happen. It's involuntary. I've done it since I was little. And I'm sitting there hitting the keys and the keyboard. And I go to hit. It's We're playing um, Land Down Under. And I go and hit the last note. And as I'm about to reach for it, Oh my God, I sneeze so hard. And all you hear in this recording is shit. And then it's the last note. <laughs> I'm like, there's a bunch of people out there that were listening into the radio. Like, what the fuck? Like, I, but I find like moments like that, like you have to admit when you do fuck up. And it's not meant to be like a lot of people take that to the extreme, like to the point where they're like, oh, I messed up and uh, I'm not going to be a musician. I'm not going to do this. And I'm like, just realize like you can mess up and you can actually make it a pretty good entertaining thing for the audience. Like I find like I do go to a lot of concerts. I do like to experience my favorite bands playing this music that I do like to listen to. You know what I mean? It's a sense of relaxation, but I find it crazy. Like for me, reggae music, at least when I went to one of these concerts, I was not exactly, uh, I guess you would say, uh, what's it? Sober. Um, I was experiencing a little heavily into the uh, the marijuana side, and I like it. These this concert felt like ten minutes was an hour. Like oh my god! Like I've I've been listening to my favorite band for like eight days now, and really it's only been like an hour. And they stop playing in the middle of a song and they just start talking to the audience like how's everybody doing dude i forgot they were even playing a song i had no idea what happened and then they're like is everybody having a good night and they just started talking for five minutes about something i have no idea what 
but then they hopped right back into it exactly where they left off exactly all at the same time they just did that and i was like <gasps> like immediately blown away like i literally probably would have passed out i'd have no clue why but it might have been the drugs but it was it was so awesome to see that like people that can like especially when you see a performer jump down off the stage and actually vibe with the people i've never really listened to reggae too much but as far as that goes as far as like someone getting off stage uh i know you've never heard of this band but have you ever heard of a band called shiny ribs yes i've heard of shiny ribs oh really no okay Sure. <laughs> okay you got to look this band up anyways this dude's super flamboyant he ended up wearing like a santa suit to a, to a show one time that we went to and he he got off stage with his entire rhythm section the horn section everybody was out there like three horns like saxophone trumpet all this stuff and he led a congo line out the door into the parking lot with the entire bar like 200 people and then came back in with the with the horn section still going like dun, 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 dun. Right back that in. is nuts, it man. It was crazy. Like as far as um, crowd interaction, that's the most Pied Piper like shit I've ever seen in my life. I was just like, "What is going on?" I had a, a famous reggae band uh, on my uh, podcast. The singer, his name's Howie Spangler. He uh, plays for Ballyhoo. And uh, see, this guy plays opens up for like Three Eleven, all these famous bands. I don't know if you know who Three Eleven is. Um, yeah. But, uh, and I'm like, oh my God, like I just messaged him like, Hey man, can you mind doing this podcast with me? I'm trying to get it started. And I really like a lot of your work and listen to your own. He's like, yeah, man, for sure. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was not expecting a response at all. And he's like, no man. He's like, yeah, I'm more than willing to help man. And then we're just talking and shooting the shit about music and stuff he's created and all these types of things. And I'm like, wow, it really shows like people in a way like famous celebrities, they're people. A lot of people don't understand that. They like to chalk them up and kind of structure themselves off this perfect individual. And I'm like, no, they got as much problems as the next guy. They're just here. You know, they, they have a, at least they're more popular than you. But the whole idea is they started somewhere. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, we've, got, we've gotten to open up for some of our heroes, like get on stage and play some shows with some really cool people, you know, and you get to meet them. And, and when you're a kid and you're listening to these people's music or something, you're you're like you blow them up to be this big entity or whatever and then you show up to the show and they're like hey man how are you i like you know and they're just like it's they're just normal people you know so what would you say your most favorite part about music is uh i don't know man um i really like uh i really like i mean obviously playing music live for people is is a lot of fun playing for someone who wants to listen to music we used to play a lot in bars where people were just playing pool and dancing and drinking and watching this football game or eating, you know, like, and, but now we kind of play in a little bit more places where people actually like to listen to music. So I really enjoy that. And then also just like, I guess the networking aspect of it, you know, in the last five or six years, all my friends now are musicians. I mean, I went, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I have like two friends who aren't musicians at this point in my life. So I always found it the hardest part, at least for me, would be the writing process. Sitting down and actually trying to create music was a little bit difficult. I found the funnest and my probably my most favorite part is how it makes you feel after you've completed something and you hear it at the ending. Like just all of it put together, especially practice was always the most fun because that's where you could truly like vibe with your band. And for me, I was in my brother's band, so... I was kind of vibing with guys that were older than me, but you know, we all had the same kind of child mentality when we we're all playing together. Like, you know what I mean? There was sort of everybody relying, but you saw like the, you know, the bass player in the red hot chili peppers flea, he vibes with Chad Smith, you know, Chad Smith, the drummer. And then you see, uh, Anthony Kiedis used to vibe with John Frusciante. Like you see these connections with people like, where they literally are looking at each other the whole entire time in these live performances. And you realize they go hand in hand off each other. The drummer usually follows around like the same line as the bass player only because they, their, their notes hit kind of onto the similar basis as the structure for a song or structure for how the vibe goes. And then you got the guitar kind of playing in and the vocals kind of follows around that. 
it's really weird to see the whole connectivity thing on stage, man. Like when you're watching a band that truly vibes together unfold, it creates not only a good environment, but a, like a, this type of energy. When you get like a favorite song or favorite CD and you put it in your car and you listen to it and it literally changes your whole mood. Oh, yeah. I definitely know some bands that are that way, like kind of groove rock bands around here that are just like, they just start going together and you just start jamming. And all of a sudden the bands are like a hundred miles per hour. of just like, what is happening? You know, they're just kicking ass, you know? And like, I, I, I really do like, like it when, if you look at Alice in Chains and you know, he's singing like rooster, whatever you want to say. I watched one of his live performances, man, that small ass dude had these strong vocals man that's a great song oh my god dude when i heard him sing uh like man in the box or something oh oh my god dude it was so it was crazy to see i was like what is happening right now like i'm blown away at this guy because the fact that he's not around anymore but he had such a powerful voice and it really freaked me out when they replaced him with another guy yeah I don't, I don't know, but, but I do. Yeah. I remember all that. And then, I mean, those early days of that band were were sick. And, and then you look at, I mean, I liked all those nineties bands, like even Pearl Jam and, and Alice in Chains and all those kind of old school, just like straight up rock bands. I, I used to jam hard on that. And, and a lot of the cover songs we used to do when we were a cover band, we did cover music for like four years playing music in all these bars across Texas, three, three nights a week for four hours at a time. And it's just exhausting, but you got to know a lot of songs. So we'd end up playing some of those songs like man in a box or we'd end up playing. Uh, I used to play a lot of Pearl jam and stuff like that and just throw that in there and kind of country folk it up a little bit. What was like, have you ever heard the song by corn freak on a leash? Oh yeah, dude. I heard that when it came out and I was like, what is going on? He's like, oh, like he's just like like screaming into the microphone. I'm like, what is going on right now? Like I'm a freak on a leash. I'm like, but those it's wild compared to what we do. Dude, oh, but <laughs> we wear you... cowboy boots and sit in fucking dark bars and they wear like masks and fucking dreadlocks and scream and blood. It's like wild. It's crazy what they're doing. I mean, it's amazing to watch, but it's the polar opposite of what we got going on. It's so crazy how a genre of music can have different like polarities with like the bands. Like the whole concept of like you're a like you might be a country rock or like a southern rock, like raw country type style. And then you see a band like the Blues Brothers. Like yeah. you're like, these guys walk on stage with suits, saxophones, and freaking sunglasses, and like this like men in black kind of uniform with the fedora. <laughs> and they're playing like I'm a soul man. I hear is but that like that whole is is a completely different style. That's why I think it's so crazy. Like usually a lot of what creates the environment of music that a musician adapts to is the area where they're from like being in texas you're probably not going to be creating hardcore rap you know what i mean you're probably going to be thinking about horses or something i don't know man h-town throws it down who the hell is h-town houston oh really i don't know the difference between all the places in texas apparently they all have like very justified specifications to what they're interested in based on where they are located in texas but i only know one factor to be true that you guys don't have a law that says you can't not own tigers. So Texas holds more tigers than all of the world in like, yeah, all of the I tigers in the world. Tigers, dog. You know people with tigers. Yes. What's the concept of that? Like there's, there's no law saying you can't have tigers. So you're like, fuck it. I'm going to buy a tiger. For real, whenever I was a kid, um, there was this person in town. We were just like latchkey kids. There's only like 1600 people who live in the town that I, that I grew up in. So you just like walk around town, go to the store, do whatever, you know, this, my, my grandfather's neighbor had three mountain lion type cats in a giant, huge fucking cage, like a big cage. And, um, yeah, we'd like, kind of like go over there and check them out on our way when we were walking to the store and back and stuff, we'd sneak over to this guy's area and look at his cats. Is it, is it just normalized down there? Like oh, the whole concept I mean, of like, if someone owns a tiger, like, yeah, Jim's got a tiger. I mean, it's like fucking, it's like owning a dog. 
get a permit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you own a killer beast. Well, it's crazy because I talked to like I've talked to some people from Texas. They're like, yeah, well, like the whole idea that Texas even has like the most tigers ever is because one guy has like ten tigers, and then some dude beside him's like, he's got what? He's got ten tigers. Well, fuck it, I'm gonna get twelve. And the next, that's you know, probably for real. <laughs> yeah, that's like a giant tiger outbreak. I'm like, good God, man! It's not like owning more or having more cookies than somebody. You are owning a vicious animal in your backyard. No, but that's definitely, I know some people with that mentality are like, oh, he's got 12 tigers. Oh, shit. Has he got an elephant yet? Okay. You know? See, the part is I don't get scared by the fact that you guys have more tigers is because you guys all basically own guns or have at least multiple around the house somewhere. So I'm like, if a tiger does break out, I don't expect it doing much considering that they probably, while they're sitting there eating dinner, if a tiger busts in through the door, they're just going to pull that under the table shotgun out and blow its head off. Oh, I'm going to fuck that thing up. Yeah, I got one on my hip ready for his ass. Just pow. How often is like an open carry thing uh, pretty obvious down there? Um, man, not really. You know, every, it still still takes like, you know, like every, if you see somebody who's still open carry to me, it still makes me go, what the fuck, for like a half second. But then, you re- then you're like, oh, yeah, never mind. It's normal now, I guess, or it's legal. Um, like I saw someone on a motorcycle the other day with one on his hip that was like very obvious. And I was like, okay, you know, but. But I know plenty of people who conceal carry. That doesn't seem near as weird as open carrying to me. I think it's like there's a way to protect yourself and there's a way of showing off. I mean, honestly, I just don't want the attention of of an open carry on my hip. Um, I wouldn't. I just wouldn't want to be that guy, you know, walking that, into Starbucks, making everybody fucking feel weird. That's what that dude did at a Walmart. He walked in with body armor and he had an AK-47 on his back. And he was like, I wasn't planning on shooting up a store. I just walked in there and wanted to see how far I could take my open carry. I was like, why? But why, though? It's different when you bring a gun strapped onto your back than when you go in with a gun strapped onto your back and you're wearing body armor. Because that usually means you're going to shoot a place up. I mean, it. Uh, there's a lot of people who prod, prod those little, you know, lines and try to try to skirt that boundary, I guess, and try to be a smart ass or something. But I don't know, man. I know a lot of people who who conceal carry. Um, but like I said, I don't know. I haven't seen it. Maybe a couple times since they've enacted that law, two or three times probably. About what's, the open. what types of things do you are you kind of focused on with your band in a way? Like, do you guys try and get on stage as much as possible, or do kind of consider a lot of practice time, or you just kind of do it like once every couple of weeks? Uh, neither that now we used to, like I said, we used to do three nights a week, four nights a week, sometimes three or four hour shows nonstop. This is for like four years. And that was my focus. Now my focus is trying to actually get in front of actual music crowds and get more of a following of people who like music. Um, it's kind of like roots, Americana music. I don't know, you know, bluesy roots, country rock stuff, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are into that. Um, but a lot of times that's not those people who are playing pool. So my focus now is to try to find those people and trying to get into those kind of venues, those listening room type places, play our own music and kind of get our stuff out there a little bit more than we used to. You really know your band makes success when they name a beer or whiskey after you. Yeah. Has that, nice. ha, oh, that hasn't happened to you yet. I figured you would oh, already yeah. have a whiskey. We had a whiskey sponsorship, but I pissed them off. So how'd you piss them off? What you just like didn't wear a cowboy hat one day? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I guess I didn't meet their status quo as far as message. Uh, you know, um, that's really weird because like a lot of people lose sponsorships and stuff because they say a certain something and they're like, oh, we can't vibe on that. It's like, but you knew what we were before we started. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you knew what we were about. Oh yeah, there's there's definitely some of that around this place. I'm I'm trying to think, like when it comes to country music, like I know Willie Nelson. I so know. Like, what do you what do you, what do you think of what do you think country music is? Because because you live somewhere way far away from me, and I'm a I'm a music snob, so I want to know like what you. What do I think country is? Have you ever seen a comedian named Bo Burnham? Yeah. Okay, he's a YouTuber. He has a song uh, called Pandering. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I believe it's like that song. Okay, I 100% can agree with you, you know, and that's because everybody thinks of like country music. They think of like whatever is on top 100. Fucking Garth Brooks is not country music. Well, no, they're thinking like, you know, like whatever this shit is, like Luke Bryan and all this stuff that plays now, Jake Owens and like Florida Georgia Line, all these things like that. That's what their interpretation of country music is. So it's not real country, though. 
No, 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 no. But, I, but there's Mike, like, look. tons of people doing killer country music out there that everybody would, that I think you even knew, like normal people like. It's just not as, they've made that shit stupid. You know? My dad went from a rock station with the radio in a rock band to doing a country band and then focusing on country music only. He now owns, owns a country station. Okay. So he focuses on, he went completely South on me. Okay. Literally he legit went, he was going North and then he went South and now he's all country. Where's the flannel? Where's these types of things? It's whatever you can consider. He actually had a DJ name. It used to be skip. Now it's DJ moonshine. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like what happened? Like I'm commercial country. Is it like all that shit I just said, like Florida Georgia Line? No, like, he he okay. plays it because that's what gets the that's what gets right. the people yeah. dancing at the bar. Like he talks about it. He's like, I don't like listening to that shit. He's like, I'm like, what? You don't like Sam Hunt? You don't like when Sam Hunt comes on say body like a back road? He goes, no, because it's not fucking real. Okay, that shit's stupid. Okay, what I'm talking about is more like Turnpike Troubadours, Tyler Childers, Culture Wall. Um, these kind of people like that who are like killer Americana country artists that are like doing some badass music out there, you know, not this like poppy bullshit, you know. There are some songs that are kind of considered new country that are very catchy, though. I have to admit, oh, they're all catchy. Yeah, that's the problem. I think one song I actually do like that's kind of, I guess, I would consider country would be Jared Nimoy. Which, I don't know if you ever. You know know what I'm talking about? He makes that song called Lover, like Lover, Lover, Lover. Yeah, I've heard that for sure. Yeah, Yeah, that's just good because it's like it has a good vibe to it. And it's usually about a girl. But like a lot of times, like, you know, Bo Burnham was like talking about pandering. They're just talking about dirt, you know, cold beer, nice pickup. And he's just like making fun of the way that they talk because it is a speech pattern. It's like when you hear the president talk, he has a way with his speech where he's like, you know, Obama was like, uh, like to say these, uh, it's like a type of pandering that gets like in your head. Like when you hear news broadcasters or something. Oh, they, we think it's dog shit too, though. Just so you know, like we don't like it either. <laughs> like, I, I, but like when like people say like, I listen to country music. It's like, what do you listen to? And they're like, well, I listen to, uh, you know, Luke Bryan. I listen to, and they start naming off like a bunch of like trendy pop. Like they're like pop country. Right. You don't think moonshine when you think Luke Bryan. You think, you know, like bedazzled jeans or something. For sure. You know, like a Starbucks cup and skinny jeans, you know. Like he, what are you talking about? William Jr. would never wear skinny jeans and carry around a Starbucks cup and wear rhinestone sunglasses unless he was on cocaine or something crazy like that, you know. And the whole suit was probably made out of rhinestones then. Yeah. (laughs) Well, wait. So what do you think about that song, uh, The Old Town Road with – uh, Billy Ray, yeah. I mean, what? Yeah, <laughs> country or no? Oh, come on, man. I'm well, I'm thinking Billy Ray Cyrus. I'm not talking about the song, I'm talking about Billy Ray Cyrus. Like, he's I, in my eyes before he did that song, I, I considered him a country artist, you know. Oh, sure, yeah. 25 years ago, whenever he had that line dance song, Achy Breaky Heart, he was absolutely country artist. And, but I feel and, like he's sold out. I mean, I think it doesn't even matter at this point, he's just playing the game to try to like get some exposure again and do his thing and be part of the, the system and be part of the thing i mean i i get it, whatever reason he did that but it doesn't make me think that i want to listen to that song like i like I john turn the radio stations on so i don't hear that shit unless it just goes viral on facebook or something like i like johnny cash okay i'm a big johnny cash fan i don't know if you would consider him country yeah. um i consider more of him like classic just on the concept of when he was singing you could kind of sense the emotion in the voice you know, you can sense that he actually was like thinking about that. He was going through it. You know, he was able to create a type of emotional response from people. But then you hear things like Old Town Road or something. I'm like, what the, f- what does this mean? I'm not sensing the emotion. I'm just hearing the catchy, flashy beat to it. Right. I mean, there's obviously like old stuff like Cash, you know what I mean? And Waylon Jennings, and Merle Haggard, all those kind of guys, you know, Willie Nelson and, and Chris Christopherson. Um, but there's amazing new music, like, like I said, Tyler Childers. There's a guy named Jason Isbell. If you never heard of that guy, it's like they're writing stuff that will blow your mind and, and lyrically will make you just like, what the hell, you know, like drop you down, um, and putting the world most world class musicians behind it too. So it's a uh, there's a lot out there that's good in that kind of genre, but it it gets overwhelmed by the money and um, excitement of nashville country you know 
Yeah. I, uh, so Nashville countries, I guess what you would label it as. Yeah. Like, or pop Nashville, country, national country. Yeah. Nashville is like kind of a bit of a knockoff of like trying to be Texas in a way. I mean, they're both giant music scenes. It's just one. I mean, Nashville is just commercialized, you know, like there's plenty of guys. I mean, there's, there's a, some amazing musicians that work in between Texas and Nashville. You know, I've, I've never been to Nashville, but, um, but it's, it's commercialized. It's basically this with a giant business and entertainment business behind it. And, and they know what they're doing. They're making shit tons of money out there doing it, you know? Yeah. But that loses the whole aspect of, you know, when a band starts just working towards money, you start selling yourself off real cheap. You don't even care about oh, the music. Yeah. Anymore. But none of those bands are like, none of those bands were people who were just like grinding hard and in the scene. And then they got seen and brought up like they were almost commercial projects, you know? Um, like there wasn't a band called Florida Georgia Line that was just out murdering it everywhere on the scene playing the circuit, you know, that got brought up into this thing. They're a corporate product, you know. Well, ever since like Taylor Swift, I think people start seeing country as more as pop now. You're seeing a lot of the country artists go into the pop era because it's going to vibe with a whole new audience. I can take that into the best example when I say Dewey Cox. You know, it, when you're watching that movie, you see him start off with like, walk hard. And then, like, someone, like, he eventually starts dealing into drugs, and he's working with the Beatles, and then he's like, I want more didgeridoos, hundreds, an army of didgeridoos. And it's like, what's happening to the music? And you saw, like, literally his downfall. Like, you saw his whole career take a swing from the very first song that started it, you know, Walk Hard, and then it just went down the drain. And then at the ending, he had that song, Beautiful Ride. You know, I don't at towards the ending of the movie, you see him as an old man playing a beautiful ride. Like you found that he got lost along the way and then he found himself at the end. And then it was crazy to see how he even got back on stage. The whole concept of someone took his song Walk Hard, one of the popular rappers, and turned it into like they were rapping about banging a girl. And then all they used was that little scene of him saying walk hard. But it wasn't even walk hard. It was just hard, you know. And it was like, they're like, how could you do this to his music? And they're like, but it's blowing up now. And now people want to hear the original Dewey Cox. Sometimes that is a benefit for like artists to get their, you know, stuff into newer genres. So people can look at their old stuff so they can still kind of be known. You know what I mean? A lot of people don't look at Willie Nelson anymore. A lot of people don't look at these performers that were real innovators in the, that style of music just because of the concept of it's not it's not good for their attention span anymore. No one wants to sit there and listen to an actual real song. People want to hear a flashy beat or something that keeps their mind off their phone for five seconds. Yeah. I just went the opposite way though. I started like, I always heard about people who go, okay, so I like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay. So who did Stevie Ray Vaughan listen to? Okay. He listened to Albert King. Okay. Who did Albert King used to listen to whenever he was a kid? You know, he used to listen to Muddy Waters. Okay. So then you started like going down this like rabbit hole, you know, um, right now I'm on, I just went down this little thing with uh, this guy named Towns Van Zant and another guy named Guy Clark and they're just revered Texas songwriters here. And you know, they're, they, Guy Clark used to write all these songs and sell them to Nashville and, and all this stuff. And, uh, and I kind of go the opposite way of what you're saying. I kind of go down the, kind of go down the back way and kind of go, okay, how do we get here? You know? I guess so. But I, I, I... I'm trying to understand it from a new generation's perspective. I mean, I listen to new music also. Um, I listen to like different genres and stuff outside of country music. And I don't, I honestly don't even really listen to a ton of music. I listen to a lot of podcasts if I'm driving around or something now, but, but yeah, I used to listen to everything. You know, I grew up with Kid Rock and Eminem and every, you know, whatever else was playing on MTV and doing the thing. So yeah, you saw Kid Rock take a major swing too. Yeah, he did. He was actually my very first concert to go see. I saw, went and saw him with Leonard Skinner in the Woodlands, which was pretty cool. What do you think of the concept that the people think that uh, some things about new country music, that it, the worst things about country music is it can cause suicide? <laughs> it can cause suicide? Apparently, people have quoted saying that listening to country music makes me want to hurt others more than myself. Hey, you I should try agree. playing this shit. Yeah, and then like, but then I would agree that I would rather be dead than have to hear it any more of it. Yeah, I can hear that. Um, yeah, like I said, try playing it. Um, it's worse. 
I think a lot of times you listen to a song like that, like you're not listening to Allison Chains if you're trying to get motivated to go do anything. You're listening to Allison Chains if you're probably going through some shit yourself. You know what I mean? That's when we bang on the dash and fucking listen. I found the rooster, you know, and just bang on the dash and just go sometimes too. Yeah, but when I'm sitting in like in a depressive state and I turn on down in a hole, I'm like, yep. Feeling that one, you know, he's vibing with me right now. Way depressing shit, though. I like depressing music, so. Well, see, the problem is a lot of people think that if you listen to depressing music, you're just gonna get yourself even more depressed. No, it's it creates a sense of relatable experience with someone that you might idolize. You know what I mean? The fact that they can be on stage, have millions of fans, but be able to sing a song that you can still connect with. You know what I mean? Like oh, says, why do you write such sad songs? I was like, I don't know. They don't seem sad to me, <laughs> but yeah, you put them on paper. They're pretty damn sad sometimes, you know, but um, it's just, I don't think it's that, that bad. You know, I think it's crazy how just different genres of music you can spark, can spark you up. Like if you're feeling edgy, you're feeling like on top of the world, listen to some DMX. Oh shit. Like, you know, X gonna give it to you, you know, like blasting that and my little like green Kia while I'm driving down the road and a bunch of people are like, who is this white motherfucker that is blasting DMX right now? And I'm just like, X gonna give it to you, like screaming out the window and shit. Just because like very first thing when I got my car, I bought an aux cord, plugged it into my phone and I was blasting my music like on 30, did not care about the world or anybody that was listening to my music. Uh, it, it was just, a, it was a sense of escape. A lot of people don't really listen to music that much anymore. It's mostly podcasts. It's mostly YouTube videos. But sometimes it's really, really relaxing to be able to sit down and just put something on Spotify, a nice music, and just hit random. I actually recently went into Nostalgia 2000s on my phone, and I was listening to so much stuff I used to listen to when I was a kid. I mean, the whole fact, like, uh, what do you call it? Coldplay, all these types of bands, like there was stuff that was bringing up like memories in my head, like where I used to have, we used to have one computer in the house. Okay. So this was like when computers were kind of getting big. Next thing you know, like I had my own, like MySpace profile with like a, like an MP3 thing on it. And I had a bunch of songs downloaded on there. And then I always thought like people could check out my playlist and see all the songs I had on there that I was liking. But I went on to it recently. You can make a Spotify playlist. Yeah, I mean, like, you can curate a playlist or whatever. So if you still wanted to do that, you know, and then people could be on it. And then, like, some of these make, you know, like, 60,000 followers eventually. Have you ever heard of MyPlaylist.com? No. Okay, so it was, like, this site where you just, like, search something up, and then you could put it to a playlist, and then people could see it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had one of those, okay? And I went on to it recently, and holy crap, looking at all the old songs I used to listen to, there were some I was like, what the fuck was wrong with me and then there was somewhere like oh my god i remember how addicted i got to that song or i actually picked up i will say it i picked up one of the old songs i used to listen to by sean kingston that beautiful girl song i don't know if you've ever heard that one i don't know it It goes damn all these beautiful girls and i'm like oh shit i used to sing that when the door was shut and then there's like black IPs on there. I'm like, what the fuck? But like, it was so crazy. Cause for me, I had two parents that were DJs. So it was like my music background was pretty far extents. Like I, I didn't just stick to one genre. I went to everything under the sun. You know, I was listening to stuff like Frank Sinatra to Johnny Cash to kiss to uh, rap, where Eminem, whatever you want to say, I was going everywhere and then like some songs i do regret listening to like uh the white stripes uh my doorbell and then that song seven nation army that i can't get out of my fucking head you know there's it's crazy to see like if you truly expand your kind of vast knowledge or what you listen to just to different forms how addicting all of it can be yeah it's overwhelming sometimes what would you say some of your biggest influences were? I know you're talking about like you've listened to Metallica and stuff, but what okay. really inspired you to make the band like kind okay. of that type? You're not going to know any of them, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay. I'm, okay I'm there's a band called Whiskey Myers. Um, they kick ass. They're like a Southern rock kind of like, I hate to equate them to like a Leonard Skinner, but something like that. And they're from East Texas. They're from about, you know, 45 minutes from where we're from. And they're on national, they're doing national tours and stuff. 
Um, and when we were younger, they were starting to kick off and we were like, Oh shit, these guys are just kick ass rock band, you know, kick ass country rock band. Um, those guys, there's a band called uncle Lucius that we really liked. Um, you know, um, there was this, there's a big red dirt movement over here, like between Texas and Oklahoma, like in the nineties to two thousands. And there was, it was just stacked full of people like Corey Morrow and Pat Green and, and, uh, Randy Rogers, Jerry, Jeff Walker. Like there's all these Texas musicians who, who just have influenced the music around this and around our area throughout the years. Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, that kind of stuff. Leonard Skinner was really fucking good though. They're solid, you know. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, blues rock god. You know, he's from here in Texas. Um, uh, you know, like you said, Skinner. Skinner was great. Um, I just kind of like that kind of music. You know, kind of like grittier. Um, I did. I've, I like Ryan Adams. I never really liked any kind of music that was overproduced and felt like really like, oh, this is the most polished thing ever. Like I always kind of liked whenever you hear a song and the dude's vocals kind of crack a little bit or that, you know, you hear like the finger slip across the guitar strings or something, just a little bit like it doesn't feel so like auto tuned and in a box, you know, I find that some of the music you listen to, it depends on your age group as well. Like when I was first starting out kind of listening to music, I started off with like the really kind of flashy stuff, you know, panic at the disco, some kind of, you know, obviously I was influenced by kiss, but then it was like, as I was kind of hitting my teen years, started looking at more of like songs that kind of went with anxiety and a little bit of the stuff you face as you're kind of growing up and get a little bit depressed a little bit. Um, I'm not saying that like I was like, oh, I need to go hobby to hide under the blanket. No, it was you more like, guyliner? what What'd you say? Did you wear guy liner? No, God, no. It wasn't one of those. I didn't, know that it, I didn't know how quick we got to the emo side there. I didn't know. No, but I don't mean like straight up cutting the wrist. I mean, just like the whole concept of like, I would listen to songs that would start to have like real things you were thinking about. Like either it was a breakup or there was something of that sort, you know, teen angst. yeah. And like, yeah, teen angst. That is perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. But like Weezer. Okay. Like that one song, uh, Beverly Hills or, you know, like you're hearing that song, like I want this, I want that. It's like, that's, that's what you want at that age. You want all these things. You want to be famous. You want to be, you know, your your mind's running wild with the list of things that you want. And then you go over to like like getting older, you know, trying to find like just a sense of realness and connection and kind of like dullness in a way. Like there's one song by Leonard Skinner, uh, Led Zeppelin, that I really, really enjoy. I can't think of the name to it, but it fucking fires you up every time someone listens to that song. God damn it. It's off the Mothership Dude, album. Yeah, who knows? All their music's good. Ah, but them, like, they had such a powerful way with their music, man. Like, it's crazy to see how hard, like, a band, even if a band's not even really popular at all and only has one good song, but if they play the shit out of that song and they really, like, vibe and make it their own in a performance, like, you get the whole audience tapping their foot and going, and that's got to be one of the greatest feelings you've probably experienced just playing music for a bunch of people. I mean, it's cool to play like in front of like, like I said, we haven't touched big crowds yet. Like, you know, 600 people is a big crowd for me right now. But there are people in this market, in this genre that I play in um, that that have like crazy crowds um, that scream along to every word. You know, you're talking about people, people you've never heard of these people. You know, like there's a band called Coetzel. Like you've never heard of that band. Why have you ever heard of that band? It's, it's a guy from Texas. He's, he's cool. He's a dude from here in Texas, right? He's the biggest thing in the world right now down here. And people scream like 8,000, 10,000 people at a time scream, Co fucking Wetzel to bring him on stage and shit, you know? So it's like, yeah, there's sometimes like crowd interaction is wild. You know, I haven't experienced anything like that on that level, but it is nice sometimes to get like some interaction, some crowd involvement going. I think like one of my favorite bands, the expendables. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they had this new song, like this new album that came out and a lot of people heard their song. The, I guess it was the EP for the, the album and they did not like it. So nobody listened to their new album. And when we we went to, I went to a live show front front row, obviously, and I'm sitting there looking up at them and they're playing their new stuff and nobody knows the lyrics to it. Everyone's just sitting there like, play the old shit. 
And I'm sitting there singing every single word as the singer saying it. And I, the singer's known me before. We've met in person a few times. And he looks at me, points down at me, and he's singing as I'm singing the same thing he's singing. And he's like pointing at me like, yeah. And he starts like telling like, like his buddies on stage, like, hey, man, look at this kid. Dude, they flicked three guitar picks at me. I only caught one, and that's because it hit me in the forehead and landed on my, in front of my feet. But he kept flicking like over my head. I was like, damn it, I want to catch a fucking guitar pick. And after stage, I went up to him. I was like, thank you so much, man. Like, that was awesome like that. He was like, dude, you were really vibing. Like, he's like, he's like, dude, it was hard. Like, I was looking at you, man. You were like pumped up and you were like singing the song. It was amazing, dude, because a lot of people don't listen to the new stuff. They're not open to it because they like still like the old stuff. I'm like, dude, the new stuff's great, too, because I, I followed you guys from like the start. At least when I first started listening to music, this is what I got hooked to. You know, and I told him, I was like, it was awesome. And yeah, I, I did. I, at first, it took me a while to get used to your new music, but now I love it. And, you know, he goes, wait a minute. Don't I know you from somewhere? I'm like, well, we've met a, a couple of times. And as I said, a couple of times, he goes, wait a minute. You you live in Ocean City at Stat One Secrets place, right? Your mom's the radio person. I was like, yeah, dude, that's it. And he goes, yeah, man, I remember taking pictures with you guys and all this stuff because they invited us back to their van to play Mortal Kombat and stuff. Yeah. And I was like... But like having that connection with someone, especially like an artist, they'll be the greatest in my mind of all time. And that's moments you hear, like you hear one of this kid's a super fan of Metallica or, uh, and they give him a guitar or something like you hear that, like, holy shit. It's about creating realness with your audience. Like you don't want to ever put yourself in a viewer aspect where you're like, I'm fucking better than you. You know, one time I got a, uh, we went to a BB King concert before he passed away and, uh, it was amazing to go out there and see BB and they, they had like a nine piece band. They walked them out and I ended up, he ended up throwing some guitar picks out and some lapel pins and some other stuff. And I ended up catching a, a BB King lapel pin. It was at the house of blues in Dallas. And, um, it was on the ground or whatever. I ended up picking it up. It's a golden lapel pin that says BB King, you know, but little stuff like that, like you're right. Like it will like little stupid stuff like that, that guitar pick, you might've already lost it. And even if you didn't, it's, you know, like, but either way that like solidified that guy with you. Like I always try to give out like koozies or stickers or something like that, because we, I do appreciate people coming out to that. And I do want them coming back. I do want them to feel that value. You know what I mean? So that's, that's cool that it works, <laughs> I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, it's not losing your head when you become super famous. A fact, like a couple of bands like Ballyhoo, these types of bands, like the guys, the singer, Howie Spangler, who's on my podcast, he, uh, runs a band called Ballyhoo and then he jumped off stage after playing in front of like thousands of people he was just standing in the crowd like he's a guy that you knew was like oh shit he's a performer because he's like uh, outrageously tall okay he's like six nine like he towers above a lot of people so he's not he's someone like you you could tell like if you didn't actually know a whole lot about the band you still knew that guy was in it you know what I mean then there's people like there's a band called Pacifier, the guy Ted. Nobody knew they knew the band, but nobody knew like who he was really. Like nobody even like they couldn't pick him out of a crowd. He just looks like a normal guy. So he's sitting in the crowd watching these opening bands for his band. He's just sitting there like there's probably a couple thousand people there. And I'm like, my buddy's talking to him, I'm like, whoa, you know that's the singer for Pacifier. He goes, Yeah, man. He goes, he's a pretty cool guy. That whole aspect that you could sit at a bar and get a drink with a singer and still feel like you're not, you know, you're not, not, it's not saying that you're not on their level, but they're on the same level as you when it comes to the concept of they're treating you just like another person, you know, just like themselves. They're not thinking of you like, I won't drink with you. You want to get shots. I'm not having shots with you. You're just a super fan, bro. Like once you start acting like that, your music starts turning into crap into people's eyes because you start turning into this like studioized corporate type of official, at least in my mind. Man, some people, some people are, are really cool and, and want to hang out and they're accessible. And some people are introverted or might have like, you know, social anxiety outside of that stage where they don't want to be overwhelmed with 150 people. I'm at the point in my career where that's not even a thing. We we're hanging out, you know, like, like we don't, doesn't matter. Like we're hanging out at the bar cause we're hanging out at the bar, you know, and we play with a lot of cool people, but some of those people, like, especially as the opener band, you're like, man, I'm really excited to get to like hang out with this guy or whatever. Like I grew up listening to this dude's music and I'm excited about this show. A lot of them will hang out and kind of give you that same thing that you're talking about, you know, that kind of like hang out thing. And then some people are, they're on the bus, off the bus and that's it you know well it's, it's about letting not 
fame and all that stuff gets to your head, which is probably difficult to do. And like, whether, like you say with your band, like it's not really, you know, it's not super huge, but you're still doing stuff with it. It's like, that's all it takes, man. I mean, as long as you're enjoying what you do and the types of music you're creating and just the faces you get from the people that like play it and the response you get, that's enough to keep you going, whether it gets super popular or not. You know what I mean? A yeah, lot of for the long haul now, now I'm just trying to be more directed about it and trying to like be smarter instead of working harder. I'm trying to work smarter now work smarter not harder that's a thing for a reason yeah well i appreciate you coming out and doing the podcast man it was great talking to you at least getting a whole nother aspect and also confirmation on the fact that there's a shit ton of tigers in texas and nobody's worried about this and guns yeah well we all kind of knew that texas had guns i still think if you dress like a cowboy you should be riding a horse everywhere you go yeah i mean i do but you 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 ride a horse literally yeah we all do wow damn more stereotypes for texas also if you like every every movie i watch that has a cowboy like a killer movie the cowboy's like got a giant buck-ass knife on his side for sure i that's the reason i bought one and i'm like i can't actually carry this because it's as long as my femur can't walk into walmart with this man next time i have my buddy over we're gonna have to get you on our podcast because i just want i just want you to talk to him and just be able to ask like you know redneck questions to him and then let him ask you about what it's like living in the big city over there you know i wouldn't even call this a big city it's more like a small town but i guess in your eyes it'd be pretty well i guess uh you know somewhere that's not texas east coast stuff ours is like a popular tourist attraction like the city in general like during the summer everyone comes down here to go to what we have is called the boardwalk which is like this like two miles of straight like nothing but plank wood that you walk on that's nothing but carnival games and the beach we literally have the beach on one side of our town and then on the other side is the bay so then you have to get a bridge to get over here so like when it rains super hard and the water level rises everyone's kind of fucked but it's it's awesome to see that because like there's bars on every single street this is seen as like a music kind of town you know everybody here that's local at least is trying to be a performer just because we have this attraction, like during winter, it's dead. But then during summer, it's like completely, it's a whole new monster. And I'm like, I can't carry a giant ass buck knife with the type of style of how my town goes because everyone here wears board shorts. I have nowhere to conceal a giant like two foot buck knife, which I have just sitting in my room for just the whole concept of I wanted one and I got one. Well, I mean, it's all about having the option. That's true. I have the option to ride a horse and wear a cowboy hat, but I really don't want to do that. We can, we can, we can get you on a horse. I'm afraid to ride horses because of I figured out that they're the only animal that is known to not ride right if you're not thinking clearly. It'll be a good con. It'd be good, good content for you. What me busting my ass or turning myself on a horse? Yeah, rodeo shit. You know. I don't want to turn into the guy that was originally Superman where he fell off a horse and became paralyzed. Look how successful he was. You don't want to be as successful as Christopher Reeves? I don't know. What are we looking at success career-wise or the fact that he's not going to be able to walk anymore? I mean, I don't know. It's a give and take. This is a business all about give and take. How do we start from talking about Texas to immediately talking shit on Christopher Reeves? <laughs> I mean, whatever. He's, he did great. I think he had a great career. Man, he was great as Superman, but I think the overall person that did it best, who would you say was the best Superman? I don't, I don't think I've ever watched any of them except for that one. Uh, did you ever see the TV show with, with uh, Lois Lane and Clark Kent? And it was on the I, USA Network. I Gene, never saw the uh, TV Gene show. Kane. Oh, shit. Yeah, wait, you mean the, the, the one with like a bunch of seasons? It was, yeah. called, it was called Smallville or something? No, it was like before this. This is like seven years before that. But yeah, uh, I remember what it was called, Superman or some shit. It's on USA Network. I have no clue. It's figures you'd be watching the USA Network. I mean, USA, USA. Wait, do you also, you know what you should do? You should run a knife shop. Like you should be those guys that sell knives at like I two o'clock. I didn't want to say it earlier, but I make custom knives if anyone needs Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, I can. Yeah, I have before in the past for sure. Fuck, man. You straight up, literally, I'm trying to like create a joke with the stereotype. You're like, yeah, I'd do that. And I'm like, God, <laughs> they're all turning into real facts. Next thing you're going to tell me, you brew your own moonshine. No, I don't do that. That's illegal. Oh, oh, oh wait, I get it. It's that slight. <laughs> okay. I see what you did there. Yeah. 
See, but like I, that's the one thing I really wanted to do when I was like 14 years old is I wanted to be that guy off like two o'clock in the morning selling you buck knives or something. Look at this big ass knife. I'm like, oh shit. You know, I joke about the moonshine thing. My uncle, he does make homemade wine and it's pretty badass. So does he use fermented grapes? Uh, like yeah, watermelon and all kinds of shit. He makes weird wine. I don't know, watermelon wine, strawberry wine, uh, whatever grape wine there's actually a long ass process that goes behind making wine months, i think it takes months of just letting this shit soup up in his garage or something yeah you have to like stomp all the grapes and once you get the juice you have to let it ferment for a while and mm-hmm. then you have to put it through this purifying process i'm like that seems really really tasking for how large of a liquid and process it takes to get a very small amount like, you know, they sell that shit for $8 down the street. <laughs> a fucking nice bottle already packaged. A nice bottle, but it's not aged 40 years and named yeah. Pinot Noir. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like it came out of some spaceship to me. Well, dude, that was fun talking to you, man. Thanks for having me on. For real, dude, yeah. And I want to give you a minute here at the ending uh, for you to be able to plug your own stuff for your podcast and everything where people can find yeah. your information. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, all my stuff is just at Steve Idlett, um, I D L E T T. That's my name. Um, and that'll get you to all my social media stuff. Um, the music is at the Briars music and, um, the, uh, the podcast is at made in TX pod on all the social media stuff. And it's just called made in Texas. So. Because most of the stuff might be made in America, but the best stuff comes from Texas. Not this shit. You'll hear that like pretty pretty soon on episode one or two, where we decide that why it's called Made in Texas. So <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, to Out of the Blank Podcast, and th- thank you, Steve, for being on. Thanks for having me, man.